0: We've been in a series on real identity. Who are you really? You're going to get, when you accept Jesus, an identity card completely new. We are in the third and final week of that series called Real Identity. In week one, and I preached that one, we looked at your position when you become a Christian. You have been made into a new creation, You have been saved by grace through God's mercy and through the blood of Jesus on the cross, and you're in a right relationship with him, not of my own doing, but because of what he did. Christianity is not doing, it's done. It was done for me by somebody else. Thank God, because none of us qualify. So we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not of our own works or merit, lest we would brag. And Pharisees love to brag, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never, I've never, I've never. Shut up. Now you got pride. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. We don't want to read your book, your humility and how you obtained it. Right? Ah, gag me. No, no, no. Everything we got is by grace. We ought to be the most merciful people on the face of the earth because God gave it to us. I don't know how we can hate anybody, different culture, different... I just don't get it. Where We all owe our soul to Jesus who looked upon us, poor lost people, and loved us enough to die for us in our place. Everybody that comes in this room, everybody that watches this online, you are precious to God, you are valuable to God, and you are welcome. We are glad you're here. We love you, and thank you for that. Okay, last week at 9 o'clock, Nine o'clock gave my daughter a big applause. She preached last week on the second part of this series on our potential in Christ. All oh, y'all shut up. I never got any applause, okay, but Chrissy did. I watched her on my phone online uh, from the church I was speaking in, I thought, she's better than me. Yeah, okay. So we said, you're more than a conqueror through Christ whose spirit empowers you to do all you need to do in order to live a Christian life, a good, victorious, not a perfect life, but a great life. See, in each of these messages, I foreshadowed the topic of the message today. And today we're going to be talking about how your position in Christ and your potential in Christ contributes to your purpose in Christ. There's a passage in Ephesians, and we've seen it before in this series. By grace have you been saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. See, that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's a familiar verse for a lot of us. So today we're going to look at the following verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10, because that verse sums up this whole series. And it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, today, as we wrap up this idea of who we are in Christ, let's look at how our real identity in Jesus comes to life as we seek to fulfill the purpose God has for each of us. Here are three truths, and they're real simple. I hope you get them in order to remember. Number one, you are God's work in progress. You are not a finished work. You're under construction. You have been born again you have been saved. You have been forgiven. You have eternal life. But dude, you got a long way to go to be like Jesus. So God works on us in progress, right? And some of us need a little more work than others. Yeah. Some of you need a lot of work, (laughs) but we all do. So we, we spoke in previous weeks about how you're a new creation in Christ. You were dead in trespasses and sin, but through Christ, I've been given brand new life. The old has passed away. All things are becoming new. I'm God's creation. Now, the Greek word here can be translated a number of different ways, and we see quite a variety in different versions of the Bible. The ESV says you are God's workmanship. The NIV says you are God's handiwork. The HCSB says, you are God's creation. The New Living Translation says, you are God's masterpiece. I really like that one. I like to tell my wife that about myself occasionally, (laughs) lest she forget. And the Good News Translation says, God God has made us what we are. And that's true. God made you who you are and what you are, but for crying out loud, he didn't stop there. He's still making us into who we can be and who we're supposed to be. I'm his handiwork, and it's a work in progress. Have you ever noticed how certain apps on your phone or your iPad are consistently being updated? I mean, for some of them, it's like every day I get up and look at my phone, and I've got an update on apps. They're trying to get little glitches out or add some benefit to the app because it wasn't quite perfect. Little adjustments, a minor fix, but it seems to be a never-ending effort to make the app better for all of us who are users. Anybody get any updates on your apps? Okay, good. You're still breathing. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, you need some updates. I need some updates and it never stops. Sometimes it's more significant, sometimes it's just a little bit of a tweak. Kind of reminds me about George Lucas. He keeps making changes to the original Star Wars. In 1977, and some of you weren't even born then, he made one of the greatest science fiction fantasy films of all time. You could call it a masterpiece. And yet, he hasn't stopped making adjustments to it, starting with the title. And originally, it was just called Star Wars. In 1981, it became Star Wars Episode Four, and uh, New Hope. And he added a number of visual effects, if you remember. He created some new CGI characters, inserted previously deleted scenes, corrected the colors of the lightsabers, recreated a scene with Jabba the Hutt, and even altered the scene in the alien bar so that it appears that Greedo shot first, not Han Solo. Now, this movie was great to begin with, a masterpiece, you could say, but old George Lucas was determined to keep making it better, and that's exactly like our Heavenly Father doing to us the same thing. So know that he is pleased with who you are. He loves you as you are. You are his masterpiece, his handiwork, his creation, but you're also his work under construction, in progress, as we saw in Romans 8, 29 last week, God created you and I to become conformed to the image of His Son. Gee, I'm not called to be conformed into an American. I'm not to conform into being uh, whatever your race or nationality is. God says, I'd like to make you better. I'd like you to be conformed into the image or likeness of my Son Jesus. That's my model okay to be like jesus i don't want you to be like a baptist or a methodist or episcopalian or word of faith i want you to be like my son a little bit okay that's the direction he's trying to take all of us and it is a journey that lasts my entire life you and i are a work in progress here's the second truth you are part of god's plan yep like it or not you are part of god's plan I'm saying that he has, for you and I, a plan. I love this verse from Jeremiah. We quote it quite often in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I don't know what COVID's done to smash hopes or plans for people, but in God's kingdom and as his kid, he says, I got a good plan for you, and you got a good future and a hope. So there are no hopeless people in this room or watching online. Your situation might seem hopeless in the natural. It might seem like no way out or no chance. But God says that's not true. I have for you a hope and a great future. Your future is so bright you ought to wear sunglasses. This verse and the promise it contains are absolutely a fact. You can build your life on it but I want you to know that that isn't the limit or the finish line of God's plan for every one of us. His plan for you and me is more more than just prosperity and hope. It includes the good that he intends you and I to do. This is what Paul is saying in our text today. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, by the way, good works, don't redeem us, don't save us, good works bring a little bit of heaven down to earth to people. God prepared these good works beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2 verse 10. The key phrase is which God prepared beforehand. That means God has a plan for your life and mine, a direction he wants us to take, a calling he wants us to pursue, a job he wants us to perform. You and I are God's creation, and he loves you as you are. He couldn't love you anymore. And from this very beginning, his plan was you would fulfill a unique purpose in his kingdom. That's all. You know, I hear people talk a lot about the best thing I think God could say to me if I had to stand before him would be, you did what I made you to do. Well done. Now, you can't get any better. You can't get an Oscar or a Grammy that could top the creator saying, Good job. You know, he's going to look at a cocoon, a little caterpillar, and say, You made that silk blast. Blast for that lady over there. You did what I made you to do. You little worm. Good. Good. I mean, that little silk worm's just puking out silk. He's doing what God made him to do. Are you? Are you doing what God made you to do? Remember, we talked about this a little bit in week one. You are God's ambassador. You are God's representative on planet Earth. I have a small role to play in God's plan on this Earth. It doesn't matter if I'm in the medical profession, the ministry, if I'm a mechanic, if I'm in construction. I'm God's ambassador on that job in what I do and where I go and who I have contact with. I've got a little clock on my shelf. I've had it about 35 years It didn't cost much, a couple of bucks probably 35 years ago. It was one of the first decorations ever for my office, and my PA, Judy Orr, uh, got it to put in the office. So it has a little sentimental value. It's kind of attractive. I like the shape and look of it. I, I wouldn't want to throw it away or get rid of it, but there's a reason why it's prominently placed on a shelf in my office, and it's not just tucked away in some box somewhere in storage. Not only is it attractive to me, not only is it sentimental to me, it tells me what time it is. Every day, every time I look at it, it serves a purpose, and I look at it a lot. I'm saying this clock is not merely an ornament. It serves a purpose. Now, that's true of your life. God doesn't make junk, and you don't wander around like I don't have any real purpose. What does God No. Rick Warren wrote a book that was a multi-million seller uh, about discovering your purpose, the purpose-driven life. God doesn't make people with no assignment, no purpose. That's not true. You came handcrafted by God to serve some purpose. Now, don't compare yours to somebody else's. You'll only be judged for what you're supposed to do, for who God made you to be. I can't be somebody else. So you're God's creation. You're an ongoing, never-ending work in progress. And he's trying to help you become more like his son, Jesus. He's prepared in advance good things for you and I to do. Now, speaking of clocks, that brings me to my third point, when you fulfill your purpose in Christ. Here's the third one. You are already on the clock. Yeah, another way to say it. You are already on the job, believer. When I was a teenager in the minimum wage job market, oh, I hear people want to go back to the good old days. I do not want to go back to any old girlfriend or old days. Some of you need to go back and look at the old days. I don't want to go back to anything, right? And on those rare uh, job market searches for a part-time job, when I was called in for an interview, I loved to hear this statement from the employer. When can you start? And of course, the answer they wanted to hear was, I can start right now, right away. And that's what it means to our Heavenly Father too. He's got a job, a purpose for you, and he wants you to start right away. So in today's text, Paul says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works where God has prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. And I especially like this phrase from the Berean Study Bible for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. So God planned good works that we should walk in them, that we should take them as our way of life. My favorite description of the life of Jesus is found in a sermon by Peter in Acts 10, verse 38. And he just sums up Jesus by saying, Jesus went around doing good jesus went around doing good now there's a lot more to say about the life of jesus of course but what a snapshot he went around doing look when jesus shows up things are going to get good things are going to get better i mean light's going to come where darkness was life's going to come where death was mercy's going to come where judgment should come i mean when he shows up life's getting good that's true of it is that true about you You don't want somebody to say, oh, God, death just walked in. Drama just walked in. Negativity just walked in, you know. And God intends for us to become imitators of Christ, conform to his image, doing the works that he did. In other words, to go around making sure your life is consistently doing something good. In this current season, you may be locked down, unable to get out or do all that you want to do. But wherever you are, you still have a chance to do good. You can make the load lighter for those who are near you. You can send an email. You can make a phone call. You can even have a personal conversation from a distance. There's a lot of good you can do, even today in these circumstances. So let's don't forget we're still on the clock or on the job. I mean, doing good comes down to helping someone who can't help you back. You just had for the moment an opportunity to do something good. I was in Subway getting a sandwich, And there was a line. Always there's a line. And, of course, my wonderful gift of patience perked right up. And in front of me is a teenage girl, cute little girl, and she's making orders. And, oh, dear God, she must have four sandwiches. And each one's got to be different, not only different. Oh, no, and hold this and put that. And we don't want that and we want this. And I'm thinking, I'll be through male menopause before she gets this done. This is terrible. And the cute and the lady at Subway just working, working, doing so gracious and kind. And the little girl, she's obviously helping her friends. And she's getting all this sandwiches. And then she opens her wallet. And she pulls out her credit card. And it doesn't take it. It rejects it. And she pulls out another credit card. And I'm thinking of my kids, my daughter's and she's put you know they they think if you have a card or a check it's okay they have no idea you actually have to have money in the account for it to do anything and I thought about my teenage daughters and uh, that could be my kid up there and it wasn't going to work and she says oh I guess I'll just have to come I'll have to come back later and uh, and get these and then I just said no 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 I'll get them let me get them now it wasn't all Jesus it was I want to get rid of this kid. And I can, I can do I had to tell the truth. There, there was a little of that in there. But I also thought, hey, this could be my child. And I would hope somebody would step up and intercede for him, who could and could could get him out of this little embarrassment I said no nah, honey I'll just put that on mine and I remember I felt much better rather than eating a sandwich of knowing I just helped the kid out of a problem that was just a small tiny minuscule good doing something good something for somebody else in fact when I went to the coffee shop somebody in his church I know who but somebody in his church who I didn't expect to and didn't know that well James says oh Put your money up. Somebody's already bought you a latte every Sunday for the next year. What? Well, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Well, that was a good thing. Somebody else may need some mercy. When I hear about somebody in trouble who's been caught, I've always sent either a letter, an email, or a text to encouragement, you know, to, to help. That's a good work. It's, it's, it's a good work. Remember, it doesn't redeem us, but it does allow us to be God's conduit for mercy and grace and generosity and kindness. If I had been with this guy with the noodle shop in town, the idiots put uh, graffiti all over his shop because he's Asian, I would have been the, all, all, right there with cleaner and a couple of my pals in here to say, we want to help you. want to help you get this nonsense off and get yourself back in business. That would come out of Jesus in your heart, wouldn't it? I don't want to see anybody abused or hurt or discriminated against. That's that's a good work. Again, it isn't redemption, but it can redeem that situation and open a door for Jesus to shine through you as his ambassador. I always ask myself, what would Jesus do in a case like this? I remember in Wyoming that the, these terrorist uh, young adults took a guy who was homosexual, tied him to a post, and, and ber- basically killed him, and, and, and the parents... Are brokenhearted. This is their child. And I thought, I wonder what Jesus would do. Would he be outside with a picket sign like some believers were that, that God hates a particular lifestyle or would he be comforting mom and dad who lost a child? I want to be in that group that would comfort somebody. See, I can care for you, love you and not condone what you're doing. We'd all have to leave if, if we had to condone everything. That people we love or children we have. My children growing up could do something that daddy didn't approve of, but he didn't diminish my love or care for them. And I've helped pull them out of a ditch too at some point in their life instead of saying, I told you so. I want to be, that's not what God says to you. You know, He just says, I hope you learned something out of this. And you know, I thought, yep, I ain't going to do that again. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to be real simple about this. Can you serve God's purpose or does everybody have to be like you, look like you, think like you, eat like you, dress like you, talk like you and believe everything you do and vote like you? If that's the case, then we're a long way from being like Jesus. You know, I'm not ever going to give up my value or or the biblical scripture, but I can love unconditionally. And so can you. And uh, there's a grace of God in that to help us. Lord, what would you do in this situation? How would you respond? I want to respond that way. I would rather God rebuke me for being too kind, too merciful, too generous, too love. I would take it any day and for asking too much because I don't find anywhere that ever happened, never. There are some who seek God's purpose for their life like it's a blueprint or a map or a detailed script. And while there is a big picture to God's plan for your life, don't lose sight of the fact that the greatest part of his plan is found in the answer to a simple question or two. Question one, what good, what good thing can I do today? What good thing can I do today? That's good. What good thing can I do in this moment? How can I bring Christ into this conversation? How can I demonstrate His mercy in this situation? I remember I was eating, uh, this has been two years ago, maybe, I don't know, but I was over with Pharaoh at uh, Aldino's, and a couple of us were at a table, and we watched this couple walk in. She's in a wedding dress. He's got a tuxedo on, and they're coming in to have, to have their dinner. And I thought, look at that. They just got married. And, and I remember th- thinking, this. he was African-American. Uh, I can't remember her. they a good-looking couple walked in, and my first thought while I'm sitting there was, I wonder, that's very special. I wonder if I could do something. And I thought, I said to Farrah, Give me their bill. Give me their dinner bill. And then after the dinner, they came over to the table. I I never say tell anybody, but I think Farah mentioned to them their dinner was paid for by a preacher. Now, I don't know if they're Christian or not, but at least they met a preacher that paid for the dinner. (laughs) Usually nobody else pays for it. But I I thought it was a good witness to say we want to bless you and wish you a good marriage for your future. And we're just glad we could. That's our our wedding gift to you. Good work right? Be on guard. Wake out of your slumber. Look for opportunities. They're all around us all the time for everybody. God's plan for your life doesn't, don't wait to begin somewhere. Well, I'll get started on God's good plan uh, after graduation, after marriage, after the kids leave home, after I pay off the mortgage, after I get the job I'm looking for, or after the quarantine. No, God's plan for your life starts today. You're on the clock now. And so am I. And God says, "Don't even brag about tomorrow. You may be dead. That's right. All of us. You never know. So let's roll up our shirt sleeves, put on an apron, and get busy doing good at every opportunity. We've got Easter coming up. We need lots of volunteers. That's a good work, serving our community and the people that are going to come. Most most people would rather watch. Well, I hope you get the candy you need. Hope you get the workers you need. Oh, that'll help us a lot. You just keep hoping." I'm looking for a human being that will show up and do a good work for the day. Biggest day of the year, Easter. And in spite of COVID and other things, we'll still have a great turnout both online and here in our community driving through. So let's make it a good one. Let's do a good work. Let's get off our comfort zone, our, our, our little rocking chair, lazy boy, and let's say, sign me up. I don't know where they want me, but sign me up because we got Good Friday and then we have two services on Easter. And I'm doing this to try to push you out to do a good work, to get signed up to be a volunteer to help us for that big day of the year. Now, I begin this series with a story about a woman named Sarah Jane Olson. You remember her? Remember, she was a criminal fugitive for 20 years. She had run from the law and evaded arrest, and she was uh, pretending to be somebody she wasn't. She married a doctor. She lived a very... uh, a very affluent lifestyle. She had children. For 20 years, she was living a lie. And one day, it caught up with her, pretending to be who she wasn't. Now, to close this message and series, I'm going to end it with the story of another Sarah, Sarah Culberson. You can Google her, Sarah Culberson. She was born in 1976 in West Virginia. She was soon placed in foster care After a year, she was adopted into a loving family. Both parents were teachers. She grew up active in the United Methodist Church. She had always wondered about her heritage, and after graduating from college, she hired a private investigator to find her biological parents. Her mom, she discovered, had died of cancer in the early 90s, but it was what she learned about her father that was going to change her life forever. As it turns out, Sarah wasn't just a young woman from West Virginia. She was a part of royalty. She was a literal princess. Her father was a ruling member of the Medin tribe in Sierra Leone. And they began to correspond, and soon he invited her to Africa to meet her family. When she arrived, she received an amazing royal welcome with throngs of hundreds of people to greet her. And she kept asking herself, she said, what did I do to deserve this? I'm just plain old Sarah from West Virginia. But she's not just plain old Sarah from West Virginia. In Sierra Leone, she is Princess Esther Elizabeth. She had lived her entire life not knowing she was part of a ruling class family, a princess in disguise. She didn't know who she really was until she discovered her true heritage. Today, she lives an amazing life. She works in education, she's a public speaker, and she maintains close ties with her community in Sierra Leone with both of her families. There's her picture up on the screen. And I love this story because it's so similar believer to our story. There are many believers who have never fully grasped who they are in Christ Jesus. We too, believers, have a royal heritage. We are kings and priests. We are adopted children of the Most High God. We are part of a a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Uh, Sometimes we relate more to the other Sarah, the fugitive running from our terrible past with a lot to hide. But our Heavenly Father wants you to know, no, 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 that's not who you are. You're no longer a fugitive. You no longer have a past to live down. You're royalty with a future to live up to. Your life is no longer about the person you used to be. Your life is now about the person God is making you to be. Around here at Summit, we don't care where you've been. We care about where you're going. You are a new creation set free from the past. This is your new position in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You're empowered to live a victorious life. You're a priest and a king. You have authority to rule and reign. You can bind, you can loose. I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But if you don't know that, you'll be trampled by life and circumstances and live a victim's life and have a victim mentality forever. I don't care what your race is, your nationality, or your gender. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have been given royal access to the throne and his power to dominate. You will have to fight battles, but you have the promise of victory in those battles. We can lay hands on the sick. We can rebuke the enemy. We can bind. We can lose. For God's sake. Stop being pressured in life by what this politician says or this, this mayor says or this person says or this resource science says. I'm not living in bondage to that. I'm living under the principles of the kingdom and I intend to finish that with the rest of my life. It's not about pretending to be something I'm not. I am that. I am that. God made me to be that way and I decided I'll act like it, speak like it, and live like it. You have the opportunity To be like Jesus, to go around doing good, to bring hope, to bring faith, to bring encouragement, to bring comfort, and to bring glory to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my purpose in Christ, whatever my job is. So, ready? When can you start? Make it soon, because if you're in Jesus, you are already on the clock, Sparky. And that starts now. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.